I was really impressed with Ben King's victory celebration. Dane, what would your victory celebration be if you won a stage the Welda? I think I'd take a page out of the Tom Scoinch book, do a little dance maybe. I was pretty impressed with his California celebration this year. I was inspired. Spencer, yeah. would you dance to the Welta pump-up music? Mm, I really like that tune, but I'd probably like take some sort of amulet out of my pocket and kiss it or... Uh, or maybe do the Rock the Baby, the real traditional sort of uh, Spanish-style salute for, for the Spanish race, you know? A lot of options out there. You are tuned into the Velo News Podcast. I'm Fred Dreyer, Editor-in-Chief of Velo News, joined today by Dane Cash and Spencer Paulison. It's the dog days of summer. It's the very end of August. It's still warm out. People are still riding around. But you know what, guys? I was out this morning. I saw some guys riding leg warmers. Is oh. it leg warmer season already? Mm. Well, we saw Wow Van Aert doing yeah. those run-ups with yeah. leg warmers yeah. Yeah, uh, the other week, so, you know. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm going to be a denier. I'm going to say it's not getting cold and not that uh, I'll be able to ride in shorts all through the winter. But, guys, since it is the dog days of August, of summer, the Vuelta España, the Tour of Spain, is going on, and, and it is hot, hot, hot. Um, you've, you're listening to this. We are recording this after the fourth stage of the Vuelta España, which was a thrilling stage and a great day for the old US of A because our countryman, our compatriot, Ben King, escaped with the victory. Yeah, the Vuelta is such a special race because it really, the breakaway really has a chance of pulling off this type of win like Ben King did today. It's, it's the type of thing you never, ever see happen in the Tour de France. It happens in Giro once in a while, although this past year was super controlled. There really weren't any successful breakaways, but the Vuelta is just, just any given day. Something crazy can happen. That nine-man breakaway group stayed off the front. And uh, King escaped with a couple of compatriots, and he was the fastest at the top of that final climb. Gotta like that. Yeah, so it was our first big summit finish day. It finished up a, uh, it was a Cat 1 climb, and Ben King was part of the day's early breakaway. Dane, fill, fill the good listeners in on what ha- what the heck happened today. How did Ben King win this race? Well, it was one of those days where it was pretty clear that uh, the breakaway was going to get get there, I think. Uh, the, the Peloton did their job. They kept him in a pretty tight leash, I guess. But uh, yeah, King and, and Pierre Roland, Nikita Stolnov, a couple of other guys in that breakaway made it all the way to the end there, surviving late. Uh, Lotto and El Yumbo hits the front for some reason. Not really sure why, but we got to see Sepkus going crazy there, putting people into the pain caves. He looked really good. He looked he, great. Yeah. yeah, he Zacharin was dropped when Sepkus was on the front. So uh, Yeah, that's, that's impressive. So that yeah. means he's at best a C-grade GC contender. Uh, podium finisher at the yeah. Welta last year. Yeah. Maybe Sepkus could be that guy. Yeah, yeah, virtual resume. Let's not put that kind of pressure on him at this age. But Fabio Aru got dropped too when Sep was on the front. Yeah, that's true. Just saying. He that's eventually got back on, but mm. Sep put was, Fabio yeah. Aru into the lot. That guy that's, even won the Welta. That's just kind of how Fabio Aru rides. So. Ooh, ew. He's just always dangling, right? So anyway. It's the Italian drama. <laughs> The uh, Peloton, though, wasn't going to catch the breakaway. Ben King, Nikita Stolnov, they uh, go for it. Two men escape there, held, hold out to the end, and uh, Ben King kind of mugs Stolnov in the finish. Uh, actually finished two seconds ahead of him. Wasn't even really close at the very end there, so nice ride from Ben King. Pierre Roland tried. Uh, he finished third on the day. Pierre Roland tore himself inside out yeah. to make contact Ooh. with those two with like 400 meters and to go. And then immediately got dropped right yeah. back again. Oh, well. Uh, and then a couple of minutes later, the GC guys come on up the hill. Simon Yates leads the way of the GC guys with Manny Bookman Spencer right behind him. Uh, and then Miguel Angel Lopez and a couple of other riders. And then Mikov Kwiatkowski stays in red, although he did lose a little bit of time today. Yeah, it was an exciting day 
because Ben King, I felt like, really played his cards well. You know, you, we could have seen a scenario in which he tried to drop Stalnov earlier in the climb. It wasn't the case. Looked like there were a couple moments where he was really suffering, and Stalnov seemed to have sort of a smoother cadence, better pedal stroke. But uh, Ben King, you know, they traded pulls. I think there were a couple moments where Ben was like, okay, man, you know, you pull through. And once he was in the back, was kind of suffering in silence. But uh, he kept his powder dry till that last ramp and won. And this is huge because, A, this is Ben King's first Grand Tour win. And uh, in the post-race interview said that he had looked at 2018 and put a Grand Tour stage win on his list of things he wanted to do. But then, more importantly, this is the first... Grand Tour and World Tour win for Team Dimension Data. And that means a lot. But at what cost? Because Nikita Stalnov, I've got a really bad feeling that tonight, Alexander Vitakurov, you know, the Astana boss, I feel like he's maybe going to have to say, oh, sorry, Nikita, uh, we're going to have to use your hotel room for the VIPs tonight. So you can just sleep with the bikes down in the trailer. You there know? have been some stories about Vinokurov uh, and him expressing I'm, I'm displeasure. I'm worried yeah. about this young Kazakh rider. I don't I don't want him to get cold, but at least in Spain, it's not too cold. There was that story a couple years ago where Nibali said he got like a nasty letter or something from Vinokurov. Got a little, uh, you know, hey, Vincenzo, you need to night, do more. A yeah. late night yeah. email. But anyway, for a team like Dimension Data, a win like this is huge because so this was their first World Tour win of the year. Last year, they finished dead last in the World Tour teams in terms of uh, victories and points accrued, et cetera, et cetera. This year, you know, they've had uh, some stage wins. They've been close here and there. Last year, they had a stage of the Giro, uh, and that was about it. And so to be able to finally get a World Tour win in, in the last Grand Tour of the year for them... Um, that's really important because when you are finishing consistently bottom of the pile in the world tour, that's where your sponsors are not too happy. Uh, so to be able to go to them and say, hey, we had this really dramatic win with an American, a guy everybody likes, Ben King, that goes a long way. Yeah, I think part of the problem the team has had is that they put a lot of effort and a lot of money into having Mark Cavendish be their team leader, their, their guy to win their races, to be the one who is the, the one that the sponsors are really happy to see winning. And that means that if Cavendish is hurt, which he has been pretty much all of the last year for one reason or another, the team just doesn't have that much firepower. I mean, you've got Steve Cummings has kind of occasionally he'll win a breakaway stage. Edvold Bosenhagen has talent, but he never really puts it together to get a big win. Behind those guys, there's just not a lot of real uh, marketable victories out there for this team. And that it makes it very hard. So for King to go out there and take a Vuelta stage, I think that's really big. And, uh, you know, the, the cost of a Ben King stage win, probably a little bit lower than the cost of a Cap stage win. So that team has to be happy about that. Sabermetrics. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, just a little bit lower. Um, so we're four stages into this Vuelta Espana. Right now we have Mikko Kwiatkowski, Team Sky, in the lead. Very slim victory over Manny Bookman, seven seconds back. Simon Yates, 10 seconds in arrears. Alejandro Valverde, Wilco Kelderman, Jan Irzaguerra, Nairo Quintana, Kreuzwick, Pino, George Bennett, all within a minute. Lopez is in there too. Uran, 48 seconds back. So we have a pretty tight grouping of some of our GC favorites heading into um, a few days of flat stages. The Welta is going to have some sprint stages, some lumpy stages, but I don't expect to see a shakeup in the GC. But all this time talking about guys who are in contention to win, guys, we got to talk about 
some of these GC favorites who just four days in complete and utter flameouts. Uh, Spencer, last week when we talked about your favorite rider, Richie Port, I noticed <laughs> that you, the Boo Birds, came out in full force and you were scoffing and oh, oh, harumping. And um, I don't know, I thought you'd been a little. A little harsh and old Richie. Yeah. But here we are four days in and he is long gone. Yeah. Two days in even. He day was long two, gone. he was yeah, just, he was already he long was gone. Tough. He just dropped anchor. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, why why do you go to the why do you go to the race if you aren't gonna actually try at least to, to ride for GC? It didn't didn't seem like that was ever even in his mind. He he I was seeing some quotes where he accused us, the media, of, of pigeonholing him as their GC guy for this race. And it's like, well, you do have a number one on your bib for starters. That's a pretty strong indication that you're the guy on the team. And uh, I don't know. I mean, you didn't. You're out of the Tour de France after a week. What else are you going to do this season? And, and he's off to a new team. So if he's off to a new team and he just doesn't want to race the Welta, just don't race the Welta, right? I mean, he's got nothing left really when it comes to having to race for BMC in the near term. In my opinion, it's I don't I don't get it. I don't understand what the idea is. Dane, what are the advantages for Richie Port of com- continuing on with this Welta? Well, for one, there is obviously the third week for the stage win potential, which is in and of itself a big thing. Uh, but the the thing that he has said, and that's the same thing that Nibali has said, we'll talk about Nibali in a second, same thing that Valverde has said, the reason that a lot of guys are at this race, Peter Sagan, is for Worlds. I think Richie Port has his eye on the Worlds time trial and possibly the Worlds road race. Obviously, Valverde and Nibali are the two top favorites for the world's road race yeah. right now. And Valverde won stage two of the Welta, so you tell me who's doing a better job yeah. preparing. Yeah. Come well, on. Eh, you know, could come in at, by the time we get to Innsbruck in Austria, you, you never know if Valverde's going to be a little bit, you know, overpeaked at that point. So, whereas Nibali on the opposite end, Nibali, one of those guys who lost some time, could be working his way up to that now. <laughs> I think the other thing to think about uh, for Richie Port is just the act of finishing a Grand Tour. Yeah, maybe a real feather in his cap. Considered yeah. a victory at this get point. The, get the finishers medal. He has not finished a Grand Tour since 2016, uh, and we have a clock actually on the Velonese yeah. uh, office wall. It's like you we know. used to have the when is Team Cannondale Garmin going to win a World Tour <gasps> stage? Uh, that happened, and now we're waiting for Richie Port to finish. But yeah, just to finish. A Grand Tour, a three-week race, something he hasn't done in two years, I feel like should be counted on as a victory, especially headed towards a new team. So, Where he'll be the leader? Where he'll expected be the to be leader. the big guy? Well, yeah. what kind of leader? Is it the leader, is it the leader we have here at the Vuelta where he's like, yeah. no, I'm just... Well, I think Trek's riding. probably paying him to be the kind of leader that yeah. they want him to be and they not are. the leader that he has been so far. A little bit of a throwback for Trek, you know, the old... Uh, you know, hiring a guy who's kind of past his prime type situation. They, mm. they were way into that a few years ago. Mm. Well, they were kind of into that this year with Boca Molima. Sorry, Molima. Well, they are kind of into that with Alberto Contador of, for the last yeah. two years. So the, uh, the the long list of GC favorites who are no longer in this Vuelta only four days in. Richie Port, Vincenzo Nibali. You know, I think a lot of people had a lot of high hopes for Nibali. I did. He was very injured. Obviously, he's not in the level, you know, he's not on the level of form that a lot of us thought he was going to be in. Rowan Dennis, you know, after winning that opening stage, I was surprised to see Dennis lose pace on day two because, you know, we had our big story on him about how Rowan Dennis's mission in life for the next few years is to transition into a Grand Tour contender. A little weird to see the guy who's trying to become a Grand Tour contender kind of pull the pin after day two of the Grand Tour. But again, I think that... He has been public about his goals 
winning the time trial world championships yeah to be fair to dennis and port and nibbly in particular all of those guys said like two days before the race please don't consider me a gc contender yeah i'm not in great shape and you never really know whether to believe that because you'll hear that a lot and it's not true i mean alberto contador famous typical it seemed like every race alberto contador would say well guys place i'm feeling a little bit sick uh, i hurt my whatever and then he would go on and win the race so you never really know whether to believe them but in Vincenzo's defense, Vincenzo said the week before the race, I'm really bad shape. Please stop considering me a GC contender here. So, yeah. I think that that guy will be considered a GC contender. Or any, yeah. So long as he's lining up for any race. Yeah, he's considered a Won winner. all three of the Grand Tours. There's not many riders who can say that. Ilner Zakarin is out of it. Adam Yates is out of it. Bokamolama is out of it. Mike Woods is out of it. So getting back to the conversation topic of Grand Tour versus building towards Worlds, Dane, would you rather win a Grand... Would you rather win the Welta or the World Championships? Ooh, that's a tough call. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I'd go with the Worlds just because I like one-day racing. Okay. But... I love Spain, too, so it is a hard call. Not a tough call. Come on. Worlds all the way. Always mm. Worlds, because you wear that jersey all year. The next year, you have those stripes on your jersey. Rest of your career. The Weltas, let's face it, guys, it's kind of forgettable. So that's the thing. Maybe the decision uh, on the part of guys like Richie Porte, Vincenzo Nibali, Rowan Dennis, and some of these other GC contenders who really haven't been serious about the Welta kind of establishes the pecking order of bicycle races out there. Obviously, the Tour de France is number one for guys of that level, for guys of this, you know, for GC contenders. But now maybe we're, we're having a little light shed on it that uh, Welta is below world championships. I, I don't know. I think Chris Froome made this race a real target the last couple of years. And the, the, the biggest and best GC contender in the sport for the last five years has been very, very committed to trying to win the Vuelta until he actually did it. Nairo Quintana here every year. Alberto Contador. There are a lot of very top GC guys that actually came to the Vuelta and didn't go to the Giro the last couple of years, where they would only go to the Giro once in the last couple of years. I mean, it's true. We're not exactly seeing Quintana saying, ah, I'm just here to build fitness right. for the world championships. He really wants to win it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, uh, you know, look, w what race you want to win is a very individual choice. But I guess I was a little more inclined to think that everyone was really trying to win this Vuelta as opposed mm. to even guys who were, you know, not not coming back from injury, it's, potentially it's, using it to build. To the it's worlds. really different this year too, because the worlds is so much more of a climber's course, and it's pretty rare to get that kind of opportunity. So I think that's yeah. a big part of it. Probably well. the last chance I think for Vincenzo Nibali and Alejandro Valverde. I say that, but we've said that Alejandro Valverde has got to slow down at some point for the last five years. So maybe ah, it's not the last chance. I think we got another ten years or so of him. Maybe racing. so. Maybe so. Yeah, <laughs> I think we have a long time left of him. You know, not I. You know, and I hate to say this because I love the guy, but. There were a couple pre-race photos. The, the hair not mm, looking yeah, good. Yeah, it's not looking good up top. As long yeah, as he keeps riding well, get some more plugs. No, he needs to go. The, just get the full cue ball look. I, yeah, you go the Kobe Bryant look. Just bick that stuff and just be like, you know what? This is the new look here. I'm a tough guy, Mister Clean. I'm here to win races and bick my head. Uh, a certain uh, shaved head. American rider, I believe, is the last rider to win a Grand Tour from the United States. So maybe Valverde could could take a cue from old Chris Horner yeah. and just shave it. You know? uh, question for both of you. Mikko Kwiatkowski, the man in red right now, has the uh, all of the resources of Sky at his back. Well, How long all we the resources of their, like, C team. Yeah, it's Sky's <laughs> well, 2018 Welta team. <laughs> hey, tail gig and heart, man. That guy is super strong. <laughs> what do we think... How long do we think Kwiatkowski can hold this red? Is he a realistic Welta winner? Dane, I'm looking at you. 
could could freaking Mikko Kwiatkowski win the Welta? Yeah, could he? Sure. I don't think he will. He's probably my fifth or sixth guy on my list. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's up there. He's going to hold the jersey for a little while because there's not enough stages for people to take it from him in the next week or so. So he'll have that unless he crashes. But I don't know that he's going to have the wherewithal to stick through three weeks of tough climbs. The one thing he does have, though, on most of the other GC contenders now that Port is out of contention, now that Dennis is out of contention, he's a way better time trialist mm. than most of the guys in the rest of the GC contention that are still up there. So that will be a big boon for Kwiatkowski coming up here. He also has the explosive finishing power to be able to stay with mm. some of the punchier guys mm-hmm. like Simon Yates, like Naira Quintana, to maybe even grab some seconds over yeah, those guys on true. these uh, steep uphill finishes. Yeah, and he's, he's. I think he's going to hang on to this lead until stage nine on Sunday. Seems like that's the most logical time for him to just kind of not be able to hang with the pure, pure climbers, even though he's obviously pretty capable in his own right. Well, we have plenty of Vuelta España left to go. We're only four stages in, and well, Richie Port may be out of contention. Wah, wah, wah. There's plenty of contenders still in, so stay tuned to VelaNews.com for all your news. Takes. We gotta get some roundtables going, guys. Oh, yeah, on well. we get those takes, the 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 free flowing takes in the internet uh, of what's going on at the Welta. Moving on, guys. We had a piece of news break recently today that was in line with what we talked about last week. Kind of a depressing topic, and that topic is teams going away. And the recent news is that Team Aqua Blue Sport the Irish pro-continental team, has ceased operation immediately. Right now, it is done. No, hey, we're going to finish out the end of the season. No, hey, we'll honor your contract, and maybe, you know, you can uh, go do some races in September, October, November. No, the team is done. Done so. It's kind of a weird move, right? Kind of a weird move. Um, The team, we learned that they were going to be ceasing operation at the end of the 2018 season, and then there was... Um, a news story came that came out that said uh, from the, the OVO Tour Britain, actually, OVO Energy Tour Britain, that Aqua Blue was like not going to show up. And then there was a news. There were there were some news stories that just were like, eh, but team has gone away. It's over. Yeah, yeah. It's a really sad story. Um, you know, we oftentimes hear stories of teams going away. You know, through the context of what we talked about last week, which is hey, you know, Team United Healthcare. On the sponsorship hunt, not going well. Team is going to, you know, remain hopeful, keep their uh, license going. But if a sponsor cannot be found by X date, the you know, riders are free to go elsewhere, etc. This was not that way. This was the team just went away. And the most important thing is that it came two weeks after there was this failed acquisition where Aqua Blue Sport was trying to merge or acquire Sniper Cycling, the shell company that owns the, the Wout Van Aert's Verandas Creelan Williams team. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Verandas Willems Creelan, I think. Willem Creelan. Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Good enough. Yeah, good enough. Yeah. Good Sorry, enough for Belgium. podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> and that new story was really weird because, well, well, Dane, I don't know. We were both looking at Twitter when that happened. How would you describe how that went down? So there was a press release. There was a tweet from the team that uh, this acquisition was going through. Aqua Blue was going to be buying the Sniper Cycling and, and therefore Veranda Swilliams Kralin. Wow, Van Aert's going to be riding for Aqua Blue Sport. That's going to be great for this team getting invites to the Classics next year. It was a big, it was a big news story. And then we realized about 
two hours later that the blog post was no longer on their website. It was a 404. This, this page does not exist. The, the tweet was down. There was no social media evidence that it ever existed. The only evidence that this news existed was the fact that all of the news sites had already reported on it. And so we thought, well, maybe this is just some sort of tech issue or some kind of issue. We don't really know what's going on. Turns out, actually, uh, a little premature. Yeah. Basically, then the news came down that, no, this acquisition was not happening. And Sniper Cycling put out a press release uh, saying this was way too premature. And uh, we all kind of had a laugh about it at the time. I don't know, Spencer, what was your reaction when you first saw well, this? Yeah, well, so what, what I think doesn't get mentioned here so far is that uh, the team owner, Rick Delaney, who's quite an active uh, user on Twitter, he tweeted after these news stories came out, oh, this is fake news. It's not happening. <laughs> Something kind of weird and off the cuff like that. And he's been known to do this type of thing. We can get more, more into that in a sec. But uh, we saw that and it was like, okay, this is not as simple as it seems because usually this type of news is very cut and dried. There's a simple press release on the team website, which is what it was. And we go with that, we write our stories, and that's the end of it. But clearly not the case, and it's just really bizarre. Yeah, it wasn't as if there were inside sources uh, telling the journalists that this was uh, acquisition was going through necessarily. Uh, there might have been in the Belgian papers, but there was a literal press release and a yeah. post on the team's own website that Rick Delaney was calling fake news, which is a little <laughs> bit unusual. About as unfake news as it gets. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was kind of a weird harbinger of this... Uh, real like implosion basically what's what happened my take was just in the moment was like ha 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 these guys jumped the gun this is stupid but they're gonna figure it out we'll get the press right. release in a week or so that says hey we ironed it out you know actually this you know they were disagreeing on money or whatever and that at some point it would all be simpatico to figure it out and that was not the case and then uh you know Tuesday, we see these stories that the Tour of Britain is confirming that Aqua Blue is not going to be in existence. Uh, chapeau to Cycling News for some good reporting they had. They said that uh, the team, this is Aqua Blue's WhatsApp group, which includes rider staff and management. A rider asked legitimate questions about the team's future after finding out that Aqua Blue were folding via press release. In the WhatsApp group, the teammate quickly responded with, the team's folded, mate. And then Delaney left the group. He's not responded to any calls. So basically, he the ship went down and he jumped off. I've never met this Rick Delaney guy, but I've just kind of watching this from afar and seeing his tweets and everything. He kind of seems a little, a little out there. He seems like he's, he's kind of he just flies off the handle at stuff. Like you know, when they didn't get invited to the tour of California this year. He just blasted the organizers over it. Yeah, so you know, I'm willing to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. Operating a cycling team is, I is incredibly frustrating. You have to wade through all these different politics, and if you haven't been there before, I can only imagine the sort of rude awakening that you you get. And you know, being there when your team basically goes down, I, I feel for the guy. You know, I really do. I I have a lot of sympathy for him. But we should get into that because the team going away comes after a solid year of disappointments for this team. Uh, because, you know, they had, they were launched at the beginning, at the end of 2016, going into the 2017 season. There was a lot of hope around them. And Dane, they had a pretty good 2017. Yeah. What did this team do well, last year? They they managed to secure an invite to the Vuelta España. And that was due to some of the results they had during this season. Larry Warbas won the U.S. Road Championship. That was big. Uh, Stefan Denifa had a nice season, uh, Tour of Austria, 
victory. Uh, and, and so they go to the Vuelta. It's certainly an underdog, not a team that I think many people expected to really do a whole lot. And Denifel took a stage win. And that, I mean, that's a more... Uh, that's a bigger accomplishment than a lot of World Tour teams can can count. We were just talking about how Dimension Data has struggled. I mean, for a Pro Conti team to go to the Wealth and take a stage win, that's a pretty big win in their first year. It was a very promising end of the season, and I think there was a lot of excitement and and uh, expectation around this team for what was going to happen in the coming year. That, w- that would be 2018, the coming year. Uh, and then this year, the team has not gotten the invites that they were expecting to get, which I think... I think that reflects a little bit of naivete, I have to say, on on the part of anybody who was expecting that they might get invited to a race like the Giro. Uh, but they just, they weren't in any of the big races. And as Delaney has pointed out all year, that means low visibility for the team. And uh, yeah, and a lot of people kind of ironically pointing out, though, that now they're pulling out of a race that they were invited to, the Tour of Britain. Uh, so they actually they got an invite to that one in a market that their sponsor right. is primarily targeting, exactly. being as Aqua yeah. Blue is a uh, online retailer. Focus yeah. mostly on the British market. Right. So. Aqua Blue is, yeah, it's similar to, um, oh, like competitivecyclist.com. You can go there and buy bikes, buy gear, buy jerseys from lots of different manufacturers. Um, you can buy, yeah, you can buy like a Cannondale. Not the most there. self-explanatory name for a website, though. No. Aqua Blue. What do you think of when you think of Aqua Blue? I, I think of like an aftershave. Well, I think of mm. that movie, the, the, the Shape of Water, for some reason. Ooh. I don't know why. Yeah. That movie sucked, by the way. Yeah. Okay. So aside, yeah, that movie was, was trash. But, <laughs> but poor Aqua Blue. So... This guy Delaney, you know, they they didn't get the Giro invite, which I think they were really thinking of. I'm I'm looking now at this interview that Cycling Tips did with him earlier in the year. Didn't get the Giro invite, and he chalked that up to, well, we're not an Italian team, and the Giro tends to, you know, attract these Italian teams. Okay, I get it. You know, they didn't get the Tour de France invite, and you know, expecting a Tour de France invite, you know, that's a little out there. You have to be a Cofidis, or you have to be one of these teams that's been around a long time, generally. But then they didn't get the Tour of California invite, and that was a tough one for them because they did have Larry Warbas, defending U.S. champion. And so that's where Rick Delaney goes on Twitter. Unfortunately, no wildcard invite for California this year. Clearly, the U.S. champs jersey won by Larry Warbas is unvalued by the race organizers. Complete disrespect shown to the jersey and Larry, and it all represents. Thanks for their support. So look... I get it, man. You're pissed. You're upset. That sucks. That's a real bummer. But this is also one of those instances where angry tweets can only harm you. You got to save that one in drafts. Yeah. Mm. You save it in drafts and you, you think about it for a little while. And then usually you don't end up tweeting that type of thing. Yeah. Because guys, if there's one thing we know about the way that pro cycling works, especially Grand Tours and the opaque nature by which... Lower tier teams are invited. Oh man, it's, you know, it's relationships. It's how long have you known these people and been in the sport? It's what can your sponsor bring to the race? It's what can your riders bring to the race? And when you look at a situation where there are lots of pro continental teams out there who have competitive enough rosters who could go to a grand tour and do well, like Aqua Blue Sport, I have no doubt they could do a great job at a grand tour. But you could, the same could be said about, any number of other pro sniper Conti cycling, teams. sniper cycling, <laughs> any number of these pro Conti teams. So the races, it falls on them to how they're going to decide who to invite. And, you know, relationships. Uh, if you're tweeting bad things at the Tour of California about ASO and ASO, uh, ASO race, 
I don't know if you're doing yourself any favors. And I think it's also a matter of making the most of the opportunities that you are given and understanding just how there are certain things that aren't quite as attainable in terms of, you know, if, if Tour California has a choice between multiple American pro continental teams now and this British pro continental team, they're going to choose the Americans because there are more Americans on that team. They're going to show their stuff in front of the home crowd. Instead, what Aqua Blue should be doing is they should be racing the OVO tour because that is their home race. And they should prove that they belong in these bigger races by getting results on home turf. And frankly, that OVO tour, I think probably has more crowd visibility than than the tour of California, just based on how popular pro cycling is in Britain these days. Speaking to the expectations of getting into races too, you pointed out there's a lot of American pro continental teams. Uh, it seems to be that every year the the big races they just invite the pro continental teams from their country and maybe one often that's, that's yeah. outside of their country. And unfortunately for for Aqua Blue, I mean there are all the bump ups to pro continental this year in the states. That was big. I mean, you now have several pro continental teams, or at least for 2018 you did. Whether they'll be in existence in 2019 is a different story. Uh, the Vuelta, same thing. Spain had two teams jump up to Procani this year, and that means that that's two spots. Maybe they're not going to go to outside teams. So, Yeah, and so in this interview he gave with Cycling Tips, he said, I just don't know what the process is referring to how you get selected to the Grand Tours. I guess if we all knew what the process is, well, then we maybe could work towards qualifying for that process. But as long as we don't know what the process is, we are obviously going to be in the dark. One would argue, I suppose, that we got the Vuelta last year. But if we got the start last year for one, we performed like we did, you would imagine that we'd get the start in year two. Look, again, I sympathize with the guy. He's he's bringing up valid points. They did have a great Welta. Um, you know, not knowing what the process is, I guess you would hope that he would know what the process is, which is from what I've talked to from other team directors, it's like it's putting in a lot of time and putting a lot of face time yeah. and like greasing palms or not greasing palms, but like making nice and going to lower races. And, you know, again, I feel for this guy. He probably had a dream to put this cycling team on in it and it went away. And, you know, the, the sports powers that be kept him from what he wanted. Yeah. And the process might, necess not, might not necessarily be written in like, you know, it might not be written down on a sheet of paper in front of you, but generally speaking, it's plain to see how it works. And I think the other thing I'd add is that given that the Giro d'Italia RCS Sport, the organizer for that race, has multiple other lower tier races, as does ASO, organizer for the Welta. If they can turn out to those races and start to build their reputation there, get those stage wins, Toronto Adriatico stage win, something like that, that would be a big step toward this. It's just a you know, he can't – Aqua Blue started last year. This is a two-year-old team, less than two years old. And it's just kind of unrealistic to think you can jump right in and just, you know, move into the front of the line basically when when there's so many other teams that have existed for a while and developed those race relationships and they've really proven themselves too. Yeah, on the flip side, again, it's like, you know, you want to think of cycling as being somewhat egalitarian where performance and ability is able to – um, overcome things like um, relationships. But to your point, Spencer, you know, they had good results in 2017, but it wasn't like they were winning every stage of every single race they went into. So you can always make an argument them versus another pro continental team when trying to build out uh, your lineup for the race. So uh, again, whenever a team goes away, I am bummed out. I am really bummed to see Aqua Blue going away. I wish the best for its riders. You know, Larry Warbass, very talented war rider. Denfield, very talented. Their whole staff, their whole roster, 
was really talented guys, and we hope they're able to find a uh, job somewhere else. Not to mention all the you know different staff that are involved with the team as well as one year as mechanics and everyone else who has to put together a team like that. Yeah. And uh, if your cycling team doesn't get into the race you wanted to get into, I don't know. You can tweet angry stuff at us. Tweet it, tweet angry stuff at Velo News, but maybe like not right at the Tour of California. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we should encourage that. <laughs> Everyone else does already. Uh, moving on, guys, before we get out of here, um, we have to talk about two topics. The first of which uh, is our countrywoman, Megan Garnier. Gornier. Garnier? Gornier. God, it was 11 years as a pro and I never dialed in how to pronounce her name. Megan Guarnier has announced that she's going to retire at the end of this season. She's going to do the Bulls Ladies Tour with Bulls Dolmans. Then she's going to do the World Championships. And then she's going to retire. Dane, what's your favorite Megan Guarnier memory? Ooh, I mean, I really enjoyed the uh, Philadelphia Classic Megan Guarnier memory. Yeah. Where she stormed a victory. A little bit of tension there with her own teammate. But it was a pretty, pretty clear, convincing win. And I kind of had to hand it to her for taking the initiative and going and winning a big bike race. Uh, mine's the 2016 Giro. I mean, I wasn't there. You, you took mine. I know, but Come she on. rode so smart. She didn't win a stage, but she rode really smart. She looked, you know, obviously very strong and uh, did what she had to do to win, to win the overall. Uh, that's my Megan Gornier best memory. Okay, I'm going to say stage four of the 2016 Bira de No, I'm just kidding. No. I mean, she did win that, yeah. and that's a hard race, you know, joking aside, hard race. But I really I wanted to say that GC win at the Giro, but uh, oh, I don't know that uh, she yeah she the GC win at the Giro and a number of you know national championship wins are pretty pretty uh, convincing in terms of proving that she is really the top American rider of. of last five five years or so so now our contributor owen rogers who uh, has covered the covered women's cycling for a long time caught up with megan guarnier and interviewed her and she said that the reasons that she's walking away from the sport um i believe she's uh she's only 33 and in uh in cycling you know uh, talented women often raise well into their mid to late 30s but that she's been dealing with some injuries. She had some head injuries. Yeah, a really bad one last year. Yep, scary really bad injury. Very scary. And um, also just like the the daily grind, yearly grind of travel, being away from home, not being able to see her husband is another reason. And then also she wants to start a family. Yeah, good for her. I mean, it's a tough one. Women cycling, even if you're on the very best team, like Bulls, Dolmans, and you're getting the best support and you're going to all the major races, it's still it's still not even close to the men's side of the sport in terms of the financial, uh, you know, getting paid more, getting, you know, getting that kind of visibility, becoming an actual sports star. I mean, they're still kind of toiling in a bit of anonymity um, outside of the real circles like us that know about it. And so it's a tough one to, it's, it's a labor of love. Especially when in so many cases in the women's peloton, these gals actually have other opportunities in life that they oh, can pursue. Absolutely. Whereas with the men's peloton, that isn't always the case necessarily. But so many of these women are so educated. They went to school for eight years sometimes and they have these glowing resumes maze so they actually have things that they can do outside of the sport yeah um megan guarnier i believe she's a rocket scientist um oh wait no we see so we had we did a uh, a feature story on her and like many women in the uh pro peloton she is um extremely educated um not a rocket scientist though is she like a nuclear risk assessor or something along those lines yeah i mean it's definitely yeah, there's 
Yeah. There's a lot of like physics way and above math. Our, way oh, above yeah. our pay grades. Oh, yeah. Obviously yeah. way above our education yeah, levels we, too. We cannot handle that. I mean, it's a good thing we're not reporting on that aspect of her career because we would be totally lost. Our story uh, in last year, 2017 on Megan Guarnier, I thought was a good one because it actually showed too that, um, you know, a lot of times you'll hear these stories in the women's peloton of sort of natural talent giving a rider an immediate boost. And so, you know, they don't go exactly to the top, top, top of the women's sport, but they're able to get up there through, you know, extreme natural ability. Maybe they have a background as a swimmer or something like that. Megan Cornier was not that cyclist. She was good as a collegiate racer, but she really put in um, a lot of time in rising the ranks of cycling. It wasn't like she made massive strides overnight. You get the sense of um, a professional rider. You know, she's a professional for 11 years and raced as an amateur before that who kind of chipped away at it every single year and was able to chip her way all the way to the top of the sport. So chapeau to you, Megan Gornier, and enjoy your life in retirement. Uh, Before we get out of here, guys, we are approaching the end of the road season, which means the last batch of team transfers, rider transfers, has been happening in the last few weeks. Dane, you've had your finger on the pulse of all these rider transfers. You are famously a fan of mid-tier riders. Like, oh, jeez. Uh, That's being ouch. generous. Jelly, jelly walleyes. And Insult to everybody I'm about to mention here. Trucker. Wow. Well, it's not like, you know, this isn't like Richie Port transfer news. This is... Uh, well, that's big news, by the way. We should true. at least touch on his, that's true. his transfer. Hit us with some transfers, Well, Dane. Well, we'll do Port off the, off the bat. Because okay. Port, it was known for a while he was headed to Trek. It's been reported for months that he was going to be going to Trek. It took a little while for the official announcement to come out. I don't know what they were waiting for. I know what they were waiting for. TJ Van Garderen announced his transfer true. well before the Vuelta, mm. which he was expected to race. Yeah. And sure enough, the team leaves Maybe him off the so. roster because they're like, well, screw you. You're not sticking around. Meanwhile, Richie Port, he waits until the very last minute. Perfect timing. Maybe it's so. Like, it's just Maybe like timing so. and attack We should to win say a race. allegedly those things yeah, happened. TJ did, did, did tell us that he it was his call. That, that's something that we, we heard from TJ. So we should throw that out there. Mm-hmm. In any case, Port is going to Trek. He's going to be their GC guy. There was a bit of a, a void after Contador left. They didn't have a guy to be the top GC rider. Balcomolema, hello. I, I think Balcomolema himself would probably acknowledge he's not a big GC star. Anyway, a lot of other BMC riders headed elsewhere as that team is sort of transitioning to becoming a BMC, CCCC, many, many C's in that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, TJ Van Garden, as you mentioned, headed to EF. Rowan Dennis going to Bahrain Merida. Uh, that's an interesting one. He's a big talent. I wonder if they're going to continue to kind of support his Grand Tour aspirations. No, well, I mean, uh, Vincenzo Nibali, he's getting a little old. He is, yeah. So. And either way, Dennis is one of the world's best time trials, so they've got that going for him. That team also lost both Izaguirre brothers to, you know, kind of week-long stage racers, kind of like Dennis. Package Maybe. deal. Yeah, you got to have those yeah. guys together. It's like the Eighth brothers. They rode to, on different teams for, I think, one year there, but... Now they're headed to... And we to, all know how that went. It didn't go great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now they're headed to, to Astana. My favorite Easy Gary brother is Ion. I like Easy Ion better too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like Gorka because he's got a, you know, got yeah. a cool name. Gorka. Gorka. Well, Jan Izaguera has a great name too, but whenever I see it written out, I'm always like, oh, Ion. Oh, wait, no, that's Jan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ion and Gorka going to Astana, yeah. which uh, that team has been uh, also kind of lacking in GC type riders for a little while other than Mind Freak. 
Mike Angel. Yes. Yeah, that's Miguel, a guy. Yeah, Miguel Angel. They, but they need some more. They need some more guys in that stable. Uh, Brent Bookwalter, BMC rider, headed to Mitchelton. That's big news for Brent Bookwalter. I like that. I like that move. Yeah, Mitchelton looks good. like a fun team, and it's good to see American guy going to race with those guys. Yeah, I like it. You, so know, you don't think it's a fun team? Well, I think Caleb Ewan would probably disagree. Michael Matthews, Simon Garrens. Nobody seemed to really enjoy. <laughs> Their time there is the last couple of years. I don't know. Either way, Bookwalter, first American, according to the team, to ride for the men's team. That's big news for them. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty pretty much your, your big recent transfer news. Yeah, I mean, the ones we should talk about are, first of all, TJ to EF Education first, because TJ has ridden his uh, almost entire pro team, his pro uh, career with BMC. And now he will be going to Team EF Education first. Again, you know, big American following. Um, but you wonder what this will do for him, you know, his ambitions. Is he going to go back to being a Grand Tour contender? I mean, this team has Rigoberto Uran, but then in terms of Grand Tour GC guys, it kind of falls off after that. So I don't know. Maybe we could see a situation in which TJ gets the nod to maybe even lead a Tour or a Giro. Yeah, I think with, with Van Garden, you have somebody who can certainly do a Giro or a Vuelta. I think maybe the Tour de France has a slightly uh, above caliber where, where he's at now, but they, they aren't going to send Rigoberto to Iran to all three Grand Tours every year. And then he's also a guy who gives you one-week stage wins, one-week stage race wins, and that's a big deal. I mean, we don't, I don't know that we give it enough importance in here how much importance the teams put on that kind of thing. They, they want to win the Tour of California, and now that team has a guy who can go win the Tour of California or can certainly finish on the podium at the Tour of California pending the participation of Egon Bernal. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, what about uh, another one that we're seeing? Yeah, we talked about it before, Rowan Dennis. So, you know, Bahrain Merida, they have Nibali. They need another GC rider. But is Rowan Dennis far enough along in his transition to a GC threat to be a credible Bahrain Merida GC rider? For oh, well, I mean, if they give him a 10-year contract, he'll probably be ready to race for GC by year eight or maybe year nine, maybe. And at least with Dennis, you get a guy who can win. Whether it's a Grand Tour or not, it's a, you know he's at least got Grand Tour stage wins, World's Time Trial. That's a possibility for him. And there's more than a possibility. He's not just a guy who's going to finish like eighth in a Grand Tour and that's it. He'll give you some wins in some capacity on the calendar, and that's a big deal for sponsors, I think. Well, good luck, Rowan Dennis. I mean, Byron Marita. I want you know, Bayron. Bayron. European correspondent Andrew Hood. <laughs> I want to see him continue his progression as a Grand Tour contender, but. Boy, it's been stalled out. It's stalled kind of out stalled right out right now, that yeah. year to tell you. We'll see. Two and a half weeks, mm-hmm. not the third one. Um, I, I don't know, Dane, any of these other transfer transfers you think are really, like, not necessarily earth-shattering, but earth-shaking? Well, there's one that I, I actually didn't, I didn't mention. It's one that people probably aren't going to pay much attention to, maybe for at least another year or two. But uh, Trek, with a coup, signing Ivan Romero Sosa is a guy who a lot of people have been talking about, the next Colombian talent was riding with Androni, another of uh, that team's riders that's been snatched up by the World Tour. Uh, he won the Vuelta a Borgos earlier this year. That's against a bunch of World Tour talents, and, and he was really strong in that race. He won a stage at Lavenir, um, and that's a guy that I think Trek, I, you know, you've seen Sky snatching up basically every talented rider the last five years. All these young guys have come through, and Sky has seemingly signed all of them. And if not Sky, it's Movistar and Astana. So for Trek to come in and do that, that was a, a a big thing for them, I think. Way to go, Trek. There you go. Yep. They're on the ride. We'll see what happens with Ivan Sosa, Romero. Sosa. Port. Yeah. Mm. yeah. There you go. 
I like Sosa as a cycling name, too. Because mm, yeah. if he doesn't go so well, you'd be like, yeah, he's so-so. Oh. He's got a baseball career, Ooh, too. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. brutal. Okay, before we get out of here, let's do a little off the front, off the back, what's hot, what's not in the world of cycling. Spencer, off the front, off the back. Off the front, for me, will be uh, Italian tourists, because we've got two Italian sprinters who are really ripping it up in the Vuelta a España in Elia Viviani and Giacomo Nizzolo. Your favorite, Elia mm-hmm. Viviani, day. Like, you like well, Elia? I don't know. I like Giacomo a lot, too. It's Whoa. a tough, it's a head-to-head right there. That's a real conundrum for yeah, you. It's very much and a conundrum. And they beat Peter Sagan in that sprint on yeah. uh, stage three. So impressive work by the Italian sprinters there. Off the back for me is uh, World's Prep. Guys getting ready for Worlds, apparently the best way to do it is going off the back because like we were saying earlier in the podcast, these guys, uh, Vincenzo Nibali and all of them, they're trying to trying to ease their way into the Welta to get ready for World Championships. Uh, but I guess Alejandro Valverde kind of missed the memo on that one, but he always wins. We'll see whose plan was right Ooh, in, yeah. in like a month. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, put that one on the dog ear, dog ear that one. All right, going off the front right now, uh, freshman success, beginner's luck. He's hardly a beginner, but Matthew Vanderpoel in his first full season on the Mountain Bike World Cup finished second place overall to Nino Scherter. He collected a fourth place at the World Cup Finals in La Bresse, France, and came in second. So I think this looks pretty good for the Olympics. It looks huge because, I mean, it wasn't exactly a smooth season for him either. You know, I, I'm fairly sure it was the Czech World Cup where he had a really nasty crash. I, don't, I think he might have even DNF that one. So it's like even notwithstanding that he still ends up second overall that's that's impressive again if the aliens ever come down and challenge mankind to a bicycle race for the fate of the world we should think about putting matthew vanderpool in that bike race Mm, yeah close second peter sagan yeah it's true uh off the back is world's prep much like you, Spencer, Ooh. but our world's prep is poor Robert Hessing, the Dutch rider. He Ooh. was actually in Boulder, Colorado to get ready for the Montreal World Cups and then Worlds and was riding along our very own Highway 36, hit a pothole or like a piece of some gravel or something like that, crashed, ragdolled, and really injured himself. He broke his collarbone and a couple ribs, hit his head. Um, our very own CEO, Felix McGowan, was apparently riding behind him and stopped and helped him out uh, called an ambulance Hesink is going to be okay but you know for a guy like him who's had a number of head injuries it's kind of a scary thing so we here at Velo News wish, wish Robert Hesink speedy recovery even though he's a little off the back for world's prep Dane what you got yeah, off the front, let's go with Dutch women. Today at the Bowls Ladies Tour, maybe not that surprising. It was a short time trial, and three of the world's best time trialists happen to be Dutch. Annemiek van Vleuten, Anna van der Breggen, Ellen van Dyke, top three, the prologue at the Bowls Ladies Tour. I think those gals are going to be fighting it out for the overall this week. I'd expect that's a big world tour race, big target for all three of them on home turf, I think. Off the back, well, another another guy who may be um, off the back if he visits the U.S., just like poor Robert Haysink, Johan Broyneel. Oh, yeah. uh, You know, if he ever visits the United States, he may find himself uh, with a large bill because the federal government has basically ordered him to pay a million and a half bucks. uh, That's the final outcome of the lawsuit initially brought by old Floyd Landis. And uh, Broynell was kind of the the last, the hanging loose end there. And a a judge has finally decided that he has to pay. He and his now defunct 
uh, management company now have to pay over a million dollars, which I'm pretty sure they're never going to see because nobody's going to Europe to go get that money from Johan Broyniel. But if he ever sets foot in the United States, he can expect a never large know. tab of uh, over a million bucks. Should we invite Johan Broyniel to Bellamy's oh. offices for a party or something? Trap. It's a mm. trap. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Come, you have won a free house. Come to Boulder to pick it up. Ha <laughs> ha. Gotcha. Just kidding. Gotcha. Well, we would love your feedback on what we talked about today. You can email us at webletters at pocketoutdoormedia.com. We'll also post links to the stories we talked about today on felonews.com. Subscribe to the Felonews podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And while you're there, please leave us a comment and a rating. Become a fan of Felonews on Facebook at facebook.com slash felonews. And follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash felonews. The Felonews podcast is produced by Felonews, which is owned by Pocket Outdoor Media. The thoughts and opinions expressed on the Felonews podcast for those of the individual, and as always, we leave you with the Brooklyn Boogaloo blowout playing Bernard Pretty Classic Soul Drums. <laughs>